Hello, how are you all doing tonight? I'm Adriana and I'm your host for the night. Welcome back to the Politicast. And if you're new, then thank you for joining us. Today, we will be sitting down and having a conversation with Charles Lindbergh. You may know him for being the first person to cross the Atlantic or for the tragic kidnapping of his first child. We, we are only concerned about him in the notorious flight where he was the first man to fly across the Atlantic straight for over 30 hours. But first, a short ad. Beautiful, beautiful. She uses Maybelline. Maybelline, Maybelline. And your eyes too can be beautiful when you use Maybelline. It's so easy. Start with Maybelline's new automatic eyebrow pencil. Use short, feathery strokes. Accent the natural line of your brows. Soften the effect with your fingertips. See how much more personality shows in your face. And welcome back to the Politicast. Joining us now is Charles Lindbergh. How are you tonight? Again, thank you so much for joining us. I'm doing great tonight. Thanks for asking. Thank you for having me. I know why you're here, and you know why you're here. And now it's time we inform our listeners why we're here. You are one of the most influential people of the 1920s. You did something no one else had yet accomplished. You flew solo across the Atlantic without stopping. I can't begin to imagine the rush this caused. But first, we want to know a little bit about Charles. Where were you born? Well, actually, I was born in Detroit, Michigan, but I spent most of my childhood in Washington because my father was a U.S. congressman. That must have been hard for you. With a little bit of research, I found out that you enrolled in the Army but left. Why didn't you stay? Well, at the time, the Army didn't need active on-duty pilots, so I felt like it was no place for me to be if I wasn't being put to use. That's understandable. But now it's time to get to what we're here for. Straight to the juicy part. What we all really want to know is what made you decide to fly across the Atlantic? Well, for one, I knew I had the skill. (laughs) But there was also a $25,000 reward in France. And that's just not something I was okay with passing up. Plus, if you had the skill, willpower, and knew you'd be able to get a plane that could guarantee your flight across, there's nothing to stop you. Right. Why do you think no one else had made the trip before? Well, it isn't that other planes haven't crossed the Atlantic. They just did it in stages. And their planes weren't equipped with enough fuel to go straight across, making it an impossible task. So some could say this prize influenced people to better equip planes and change the amount of fuel they contain. When you made this big possible life-changing decision, did you even have any support from the people? Well, yeah, I had tons of support. I had unlimited support from St. Louis and from my family. Ryan Airlines also supported me enough to help manufacture the plane. Well, of course. Personally, I think the support you had was a big part in your success. Now tell me about during the flight. There's no way that could have been easy. It was one of the hardest things I've ever accomplished. It was a 33 and a half hour flight. I I was extremely sleep deprived. I was so sleep deprived, I started hallucinating. Just to keep myself awake, I had to fly close to the water with the uh, window open and hoped the cold seawater would keep me awake. It was thrilling and extreme. It sounds like it. The endurance that had to have on your body, I couldn't imagine. You said something about hallucinations. I want to go back to that. What did you hallucinate about? 
It was about 24 hours into my journey, and I could see mirage-like foggy islands in the distance. My urge to land grew, but the conscious part of my brain knew that no matter how wonderful it was, those islands weren't real. I felt weightless in the plane, too. I didn't even notice I was in the plane for a while. The only other thing I remember hallucinating was people. I could see these outlined moving forms in the plane with me, all around me. I honestly had thought I'd lost my mind. Wow, that's something I never would have guessed. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. I'm sure the audience was just as amused as I was. That's why I'm here. (laughs) Now the plane. It was special, of course. It had to be to make that flight. Do you remember any details about it? I happen to remember every detail, actually. I was hoping you'd ask, and I didn't remember it all for nothing. (laughs) It was a retrofitted Ryan M2 aircraft. Its engine was a Wright J5, which I think is pretty cool, and it was made by the company founded by the Wright brothers. I don't mean to interrupt, but that's cool. I bet that brought excitement. Oh, definitely. But the plane had to be built with extra fuel tanks in the plane's nose and wings. Crazy enough, one of the gas tanks blocked my view out of the plane, so I had to use instruments to guide me during the flight. The more you tell me, the more I begin to understand how hard of a journey this truly was for you. This wasn't a simple task, it was hard work. Now I know this is off topic, but on my recent podcast, I spoke with Rachel Carson. Are you familiar with her? She's a famous environmentalist, right? Yes, that's right. Well, the interview went extremely well, and we learned a lot about what she does. But we're wondering what your take on environmentalism is. I'm glad you asked. I am a huge environmentalist. I have been ever since I flew across the Atlantic. I was flying, and I looked through the instruments, and all I saw was a black sky filled with ducks, which is crazy because when I look up, I see what you see, blue. Right. This small thing made me realize we need to make serious changes, so I became passionate about it. The new technology we have is just taking too much of a toll on our ozone and our planet. And personally, I'd rather have birds than planes. Well, that's actually how a lot of us feel. Our Earth is changing for the worse, and some see it just as well as you do. To close up, I just want to ask you one more question. You obviously became renowned after the flight, and a lot of us are curious on how fame has affected you. Honestly, it's made my life a living (laughs) you-know-what. I've been called a Nazi, my kid was kidnapped, and everywhere I go, people crowd me. It's taken a big toll on my everyday life, and I wish the fame didn't come along with the journey. You know, I just, I wish it was less of a big deal, because it's been hard. I can't even have a political belief or go get coffee without everyone hoarding around. Fame is the only thing I regret about making that flight. I had no idea the struggle had been for you. I'm so sorry about that for you and your family. Yeah, I get free food, though. <laughs> That's one positive way to think about it. Thank you again, Charles, so much for joining us. You're a cheer inspiration. Passionate, strong, and well-minded with a sense of humor. And for my dear listeners, thank you for returning for another podcast. You're what keeps us going. But to really keep us going, we need money. So feel free to donate in the link below the <laughs> title. Come back to Politicast next week where we talk with our president and we answer some questions everyone's been learning. Signing off, your host, Adriana.